Welcome to In the Schools, a podcast dedicated to telling the story of the people who make the Montpelier-Roxbury Public School District an amazing place to grow, learn, and work. Our goal is for every child in our MRPS family to have a limitless future. In today's podcast, we talk with Nathan Suter. Nathan has been hired by our school board to work with members of the community to determine our community's values for education. As we move towards a world where we are living with the pandemic, these stated values will help our district frame our future. Big welcome to Nathan. Hi, Libby, thanks for having me. Yeah, so this might be a good advertisement too for our work with the community to get get some more voices, right? Absolutely. All right, so let's get started with some questions. So um, could you give us a little overview of what you're doing with our district? Sure. so the, the really exciting project that I'm working on with the board and members of the community and students is a district-wide visioning process where the school board sees that as a district, we are often encountering big questions, um, be it how we choose to budget, how we choose to meet students' needs, things like that, um, or opportunities come up. And the board wants a vision, a shared vision, and a set of values through which they can make those decisions in a way that they are sure is aligned with what the community is is looking for and shared with the community. And so um, I'm in the privileged role of being a facilitator and consultant on that project where we've convened a committee of 17 students, uh, a teacher, a couple staff people, and a number of members of the community and uh, as well as some administration folks including Libby and we together are shaping this process reaching out to the community and getting input on what people in the community be they uh, students or parents or folks even without kids what they think about the their vision for the future of education in Montpelier Roxbury public schools yes what's interesting is we've gotten more phone calls from people who don't have kids in our system about it than we have people who have kids in our system about it, which is great. It is good. Um, So facilitating conversations in communities and organization, um, oftentimes hard conversations, I would imagine, is uh, not simplistic work. How did you get started in that kind of work? I love that question. I'm not sure I have an origin story for that. You know, what I, I would call this work community engagement or public engagement. And in a formal sense, uh, I've done this periodically as a consultant for uh, nonprofit organizations that are trying to figure out, you know, the strategic direction um, and for sort of cities and towns who are trying to figure out how to use resources, be it a piece of land or something else. Um, I think more broadly speaking, I really love listening to the people who are affected by decisions, give their, you know, share their thoughts about how those decisions should be made and what direction they'd like things to take. Um, And so I, when I've had the chance to do that um, in a consulting role or in previous roles in my life, um, I'm at my best when I try to set the ground and ask good questions and then really leave space and listen carefully to what people are actually saying. And I'm always surprised and I always learn new things. And that's a 
I find that to be a really um, a positive loop where the, the better I get at that, the better I get at listening. And I can try to share that in this case with this with the committee, which is full of really engaged people, um, that practice of, okay, what are what are people actually saying? And it's always fascinating when what people are saying doesn't necessarily match our assumptions. And this is that's why we do this kind of thing. Yeah, that's not easy, though. <laughs> <laughs> opening yourself up to that kind of work as i well know so that's a that's definitely a skill that um that you have or show so um you are a very proud father of two amazing mrps kids you're a partner to a lovely mrps teacher you're a track coach and you're facilitating this conversation with our community you seem to breathe mrps even more than i do how are you balancing all of that work and knowing your roles in different spaces? Yeah, uh, thank you for that question. Um, I think the first answer is that this is a time in my family's life when my, my kids are at an age where they're fully engaged in school and their lives are defined by their orientation to education, finding their own identities and um interacting with the people around them and so part of my check down as a as a father is to make sure that i'm showing up for them and supporting them but also leaving them plenty of space to make their own path so that's the way i think about parenting and that would be true probably no matter what district we're part of um you know as a as a partner to someone who's in education especially in the last two years uh Again, I'm just trying to think about my role as being supportive and remembering that it would be very difficult for me to understand all the challenges that teachers are facing in the in the context of COVID. Um, you know, being a being a great teacher who's engaged in meeting the needs of kids is is a challenge even in what we would have called normal times. Yes, um, <laughs> so then, uh, oh, I you know I'm I'm fortunate to be the head track coach for Main Street Middle School track and field. And that, you know, I tell myself stories about, um, you know, it won't be so much work and, and it'll be fine. And, and <laughs> yeah, that, right. You know, it's never good when you lie to yourself. And so, <laughs> um, but the, the good thing about that role is that I love working with those kids. They are so full of energy. They are engaged. Uh, they're ready to work hard. And so when I can take two hours in the afternoon to go meet with them and help them become athletes and and keep going on that sort of journey of identity and building community. Uh, it's often the highlight of my day. And we have 80 kids, sorry to interrupt you, but we have 80 <laughs> middle schoolers running track this year, which is congratulations to you. You've grown that each year. Well, thank you. We, yeah, we have a lot of kids. Um, it's really important to say that I can't do the coaching work without a ton of parent volunteers and even some folks who aren't parents who volunteer to help out and support the program. Um, like anything, it's, you know, there's, there, there are no heroes. There's just a good team. Um, you know, and then as a consultant who in this case is doing a, you know, a fairly high stakes, I think kind of a delicate listening project in the community. Um, I am trying to be really careful about, you know, okay, in this context, I'm wearing this hat and I need to be really in the role of facilitator where I'm holding space for other people's expression of their values. And of course I have 
I have a vision for what I think our district should be. And I have my own values that I think should apply to the way we educate kids. But in my role serving the district, that it's, I'm trusting the public to have also really useful, clever, creative ideas about both how to go about that and what the outcomes should be. Um, and that, you know, trust is, uh, trust is one of the most valuable words in this context where um, I sometimes have to suppress my impulse to speak up or to, to shape a conversation. And usually when I do that, I do it because I trust that the people involved also have valuable things to say and often the same thing that I might say. And so, you know, it's, it's a lot of practice of looking for who else can come to the table and participate. Um, there was a funny situation recently where I was attending a school board meeting in the role of a consultant and facilitator, just reporting on the process. And there was another topic in front of the board that evening that is uh, of personal interest to me. And, you know, I was, I didn't speak on that topic. I, I, um, you know, didn't, didn't give any input. That wasn't my role that night. And we have such a rich community of people who do show up and engage that I didn't need to, because there are other people who can speak the same truths that I can. So, uh, you know, it's a practice. I, I'm sure I'm not perfect at it, but, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to, to, maintain some guardrails between my different roles. Yeah, I understand. So I have some ideas as to why um, it's really important to define our values and it's work that's actually been missing since we merged with, since Montpelier and Roxbury merged um, just before my tenure as superintendent. Why do you think, both as facilitator and as a community member sure. and as a parent, think it's important for our district to um, really name and formalize our values um it's a yeah it's it is the central question i think not just for montpelier but for arguably any any school district any local government right all um let's see you know public schools are one of the most visible expressions of government in our lives <clears throat> certainly if you're a parent or if you're a kid um, and so if you're a member of the public or you're a kid and you have an interest, so let's say, um, let's say my, one of my kids were to have social emotional learning needs or to have academic learning needs, I would really want to be sure that the district leadership, the teacher and the support around my kid was oriented towards serving their needs and helping them excel to be the best they can be. Well, how can you be sure that that's how the, that's how the district is focused? You would look to what are the values of the district and what's the vision within the district for um, a student's experience and how they'll emerge from the district. And, and if you're, you know, if you're a board member or if you're in your role, Libby as the superintendent, I think it's, it's actually, it's guiding, but it's also, um, it's protective to have that kind of uh, North Star to point, you know, as you're steering, this is a, this is a big organization. There are a ton of people who teach in the district, who uh, work in the district, and everybody 
um, everybody involved needs to understand what the direction is that that everybody's pulling in. And then if if I'm a stakeholder, right, if I'm a parent or if I'm a member of the of the community with uh, community rather, even without kids, I want to know how my community is expressing or is preparing our kids for the future. You know, does that mean that the district wants to focus a lot on foreign language and sort of cultural immersion? Does that mean that um, the district wants to be really attentive to uh, folks being prepared to jump into the workforce? Does that mean um, our top priority should be graduating kids from high school? You know, those are all, I think, interesting questions and, and they're not mutually exclusive. It can be it can be both and in, in all those cases. But um, but I think it's important for the school board to know. I think it's important for the, the superintendent to know. And because members of the school board change frequently, uh, because you know we've had a, um, I guess in the time that I've been paying attention, we've had two or three superintendents, um, but you know many different, for example, curriculum directors or directors of special education and principals at the various schools. If we assume that that's the norm, that people will check, um, that people will, um, that those characters, that the, the people occupying those positions will change. Ideally, you want them to be able to come into the district and take a look around and understand, okay, this is the vision for the district. These are the values. And then they can test their own decision-making and they can read the interests of the students or the teachers or the public against those values in that vision and figure out what what sticks and what needs to be set aside and because that's not the, the main priority. Absolutely. I think that change is imperative and having the common thread through. So when people win the Powerball, there's something that's going to hold the district together still. Um, so let's talk about this, the, just the process over how you how you're uh, facilitating um, gathering so many voices. So how will the committee go about getting as many community voices to the table as possible? Like just talk about the process a little bit, what you're envisioning. Sure. Uh, so partly it starts with the committee, which is composed of, of sort of representatives from different parts of the community, right? So you've got students, you've got just at large adults from the community, um, a couple staff people, a teacher, Libby Bonesteel is the, the superintendent and Arguably, each of these groups have connections to their own personal networks, their own professional networks if they're working within the schools. And uh, so that's a sort of a, you're counting on that, that the social networks as one resource to bring to bear on this. And as the committee asks people to respond, whether it's to a survey or to come to a community gathering session or um, to just to come to a listening session or, or zoom into a meeting, um, that's a that's a sort of first line. And then we are trying to design good process, be it how we write a survey that we hope many people will complete, or how we schedule and then design community gatherings so that they are accessible if you're a single parent who's working, so that they are accessible if you're a student who has academics, athletics, and then other activities, so that um, if you're uh, neurodivergent, if you're somebody who's who doesn't learn or interact with the world in the way that many of us do, you still have an avenue to participate. So our job is to is to set the structure up so that the doors are open, and then 
when we're partway through the process, if we see that we're really missing certain voices, um, you know, from certain lived experiences or, you know, a region of our district, that we can double down and, um, you know, dig in and go reach out directly to those folks. For example, you know, we have a couple of committee members who are actively making telephone calls to folks in Roxbury and starting those conversations and, and getting people who happen to live in Roxbury and are part of our district involved in this conversation in case that's not something that they would come across in their sort of normal path of life. Um, and the same, you know, the same can be true here in Montpelier, which, which parts of our population are going to most easily interact with something like a survey. Okay, we're glad to have those voices. Then who's not part of that group and how do we go engage with them? So that's, that's the work and that's, it's exciting. I like doing it myself and it's also great to have the resource of this committee who are willing to do some of that work. And then how will you synthesize the information that, that comes to you? Um, I think that's going to be the most challenging and interesting part of this process because we will have, we'll have information from the survey, which is really quantifiable, right? You know, 70% of respondents think this. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's a, that's a very appealing kind of information to work with. But we will also have feedback from listening sessions and phone calls and uh, community gatherings, which is, you know, narrative, anecdotal, depends upon who showed up that day, um, but can add, you know, can add nuance to the things we're learning from the survey, and the survey can add nuance to the things we're learning from community listening sessions. And I think that the, um, <laughs> so I'm going to name a value. If if one of the one of my values is transparency, as it should be in a process like this, that is a public process, then when we draft a report to the board and say, here's what we've learned, and we have done some of the synthesis that you just asked about, we both need to present the report, but we also need to present the background information that led us to that. So that if I'm a board member and I say, boy, that's really, that conclusion is surprising to me. How did you come to it? That it's really accessible for the board member to figure out, okay, oh, actually a lot of people responded in that way. And um, I now understand how you came up with that conclusion. And the same should be too, true of the public. And um, that's also a piece of, you know, if you're asking folks to participate in a process like this, they have a right to see what the process is producing and to, to see that their voice is still present in the outcomes. Um, even if, even if, if it were my voice, even if I'm an outlier, even if my opinion is really divergent from uh, some of the other, some of the mainstream, okay. But it, then at least I know that, and I can still see my voice present in the final product. Mm -hmm. um, and so what might that final product look like? Well, I think that it will be I'm, I'm, my vision of it <laughs> uh, um, to be modified or, or in collaboration with the committee is that there will be a document that is a vision, a draft vision for the school district, and it, it wouldn't be final until the board sort of chews it over and and then ratifies it in some way. And then another document that would list some core values of the district. And same thing, that would be a draft document. Um, hopefully we will have done a bunch of the lifting and the synthesizing so that those are really close to close to final and the board can feel confident that if they adopt those, that they are aligned with what the community is is saying. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I do think that the, the, the background information, the sort of, uh, the data, what words people were using, what anecdotes were being expressed, having that be accessible is also important. 
Um, not that that's likely to be sort of front and center on the website. You want the you want the sort of distilled conclusion, but uh, that's what I that's what I envision because I think you know five years from now, if I am if I'm a family looking to move to Vermont from somewhere else, and I'm trying to decide what community to live in, uh, I might look at school district websites, and if I find them up Paleo Roxbury schools and I can quickly find a, a vision for the district and I can quickly find district values. And those resonate with how I want to be, you know, how I want my kids to engage with education. Uh, that might be really important. And similarly, if I'm, if I live here already and I'm trying to figure out, okay, how should I expect uh, the district to serve my kids? It should be evident and, and I should be able to come to a board meeting and say, your vision says this, you're about to make this decision. How are you going to, are you going to make it in alignment with the vision? It's really an accountability tool and it should work sort of, it should empower all sides. Yes, absolutely. So we're going to send out this podcast and with the link to our website and uh, the survey and all of that kind of thing to our whole community and how else can people get involved should they want to? That's a great question. So, uh, one way one way would be to complete the survey which is only one tool but it's a it's a good tool and there's plenty of space in there to to offer free response another is to look at who's on the committee and that's a that can be found on the page of the district website under the visioning committee and contact people likely you probably know somebody who's on the committee and have a conversation with them uh, we're in the process of making a calendar for community gatherings and for listening sessions some of which are already scheduled and see, you know, as that develops, pay attention and see if you can show up in person. Um, that's a chance, right? The, the disadvantage of a survey is that you give input, but you're not in a room with people and you're not sort of seeing and hearing how others are responding. The advantage of a community gathering is that you get to have that collective experience. And that in itself is a way of sort of building community by, by being part of one of those processes. So those are my my two big asks would be, you know, uh, engage with the survey and then engage with public, you know, with, a, with the public gathering and then stay engaged and continue to have conversations with neighbors, friends, uh, et cetera, so that, you know, once we turn on, turn our minds to thinking in this way, I think it's a really useful way to think about our identity as a community. And uh, hopefully that's an outcome from this process as well. Very nice. Any last words about this process, Nathan, you want to share with the people out there who clamor over in the school's podcast? <laughs> um, you know, this is, this is a, it's a beautiful process that, that the district has the wisdom to ask the community, what's your vision? And it's a, it's a rare chance. This doesn't, not every district does this and they certainly don't do it frequently. So, you know, getting, get involved, um, think hard about if you're an adult, how was your education and how has it affected your life path? And what would you wish were different knowing what you know now? And if you have kids or if you think about kids in the community, even if they aren't yours, um, what do you wish for them, right? Everybody, we want everyone to succeed. We want everybody to, to thrive. And uh, what role do the schools have in that? And how do we support that? Awesome. So again, we will link this survey and our webpage, uh, the visioning webpage to the podcast and we'll make sure we get this information out. I was kind of saving the podcast to 
send that survey out blasting through our MRPS channels, which we will do very shortly this week. And a big thank you to Nathan for taking the time out of his day to talk with me and for all the work that you're doing for our district, including coaching 80 adolescent children, which is something not many folks would be brave enough to try to take on. Anna Hipko produces in the school. I'm Libby Bonesteel, the superintendent. Join us next time when I talk with another awesome member of our MRPS team. Until then, stay safe and dream of warmer weather that just has to be coming soon. Thanks, Nathan. Thank you, Libby. Take care.